Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, one person who always thought ghost TV shows were fake comes in for a harsh reality check. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. And Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. And of course, you like our program, help us stay on the air. Become an extra podcast person. We call them EPPs. And with that, you get advanced access to our episodes, all of it commercial free. You also get bonus episodes, brand new ones every single week. Jam-packed with some of our best ghost stories exclusively for you guys, the EPPs. You also get the archive, which is the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories. All commercial free there, too. Ebook, audiobook, you get access to those, too. Two places to get signed up, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Patreon.com slash real ghost stories or ghostpodcast.com. It's Tony and Tommy on today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. What's up? So basically what you're saying is if you want ghost stories, you've got your ghost stories right there. But wait, there's more. <laughs> if you act right now, we'll give you the Miracle Blade 4 and a free juicer. No, not, not true. Yeah, you, you won't get that stuff. Man, you're thinking about some of those TV commercials that used to be on, and they still pull me in because something <laughs> happened put to poor Emeril Lagasse, who used to be like, <laughs> he revived Food Network, right? He was the guy that brought Food Network to the forefront yep. and made it what it is today. Yep. Well, then they kind of blow him out, and he gets moved down to a smaller cooking channel or something, mm -hmm. and now he's out there doing rotisserie chicken uh, infomercials. <laughs> is he? He is, and I feel so bad because I always thought that was left for Ron Popeil from Ronco, and now Emerald's out well, there doing all this Ron Popeil, I think if he was alive, would be like, what, 125 now or something like that? I think if he saw this, he'd be spinning in his own rotisserie chicken oven, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> I can see that. that. He got buried in one, yeah, and just set it and forget it, and it still works. You know, he's... Uh, down the rotisserie. So every weekend I find Emerald, but he's like, you know, pawning stuff off and yeah. he's trying to get you to buy the dehydrator and the food processor. And it's just sad. It is. I mean, he really kind of had that an empire going there and it, it really was a very quick fall uh, from everything. It's just like now I think, I mean, is, is the brand even out there anymore? Like his like spices and stuff, or is that all kind of, you know, seen its day? Yeah, I don't know. And I guess maybe that's the uh, the lesson to learn when you're everywhere doing everything and you are the guy. Maybe it, it wears off really quickly. But I also felt like they kind of mistreated him a little bit. I mean, can't you find some room on Food Network for Emeril Lagasse doing something? I, you know? I, yeah, I, I'm amazed that there's not something uh, that he's on there. But I know he it's kind of every once in a while they run old, you know, reruns of stuff on other networks. But no, I don't know. That was a very weird fall from grace. And it wasn't there, there was like no scandal or anything, was there? No, I, I don't remember. I mean, it's not like a frugal gourmet kind of thing God, or something no, like that. No, it was just very weird. He was just like, OK, Emerald Live is done. And so is everything else that was to do with Emerald. I don't know. There, there you go. Very soon, the ghost of Emerald Lagasse haunting the Food Network building uh, after uh, being very depressed for many, many years. 
let's go to our first uh, story of the day. It says, my paranormal experiences happened around the time of when I was 14 to 15 years old. The events were centralized around my brother. Late one night, my brother came home from staying at a friend's house, which I thought was out of character for him to call my mother and pick him up in the middle of the night. The commotion of him arriving home woke me up from my sleep. My brother's room was across the hall from mine, and the sight I woke to was him pouring salt in the threshold of the room's doorway. Now, at the time, my brother was a bit of a delinquent. I thought he may be on drugs or something and brushed it off and went back to bed with a sense of dejection. The following morning, my brother told me that his friends and he had messed with a Ouija board and were having some crazy experiences. The real reason he came early was because he could not sleep at his friend's. I still paid no mind thinking that what he was telling me was nonsense. He told me that night when he arrived home, something followed him. That he would hear the rapping sounds of fingers on the window, like you tap your fingers on the window or a desk in school, impatiently waiting for the bell to ring and leave class. The next couple of days, his paranoia slowly began to grow into great anxiety. Unknown to me at the time, he stated that a shadow person would be seen at the foot of his bed and wait for him to fall asleep before it would aggressively grip his legs. He said it felt like someone was trying to rip him out of his bed the second he fully fell asleep. At the time, I was a skeptic and believed nothing he was telling me. That is until the activity suddenly increased. Our television would turn on randomly on max volume and wake everyone in the house. Once, while my friend was over, my brother was about to take a shower. He came bolting up, saying something kept turning the water off. I thought to myself, yeah, right, here we go again with the crazy talk. Well, he ran back in, turned the water on, and calmly walked back out. Sure enough, we heard the shower water gently turn off. At the same point, I began to think that maybe something paranormal is going on, and those ghost shows are not just a hoax with paid actors. A few nights later, my brother and I both awoke to the sounds of our dining room chairs sliding around the hardwood floors. Though the second we stepped out, everything had stopped with everything in the dining room being totally askew and thrown about. For the next couple of nights, my brother slept on the floor in my room. It had been some time since anything weird had happened. But one night as my mother was getting ready for bed, she said she heard some strange noises outside and that our dog was acting strange and barking at nothing. Being out of the country, mountain lions, coyotes, and deer were common occurrences. She knocked on my door and asked me to go look. So I stood up from my bed, opened my door, walked to the front deck, and grabbed a flashlight. I stood on the front deck, peering into the dark woods. Looking for the shimmer or outline of any animals, I saw nothing. Yet my dog was still acting like she feared whatever was out there. Yet there was nothing, and I have seen this dog chase off coyotes, and on one occasion a mountain lion. My mom and I were standing on the front deck saying it was weird and that neither of us saw anything when she pointed at my shoulder. I was wearing a cut-off shirt at the time and looked down to see three long, deep scratches. I never felt the scratches happen, nor was there anything in the way from my bed to the front deck that could have done that. The scratches ranged from, ranged from top of my deltoid muscle to about mid-triceps. After realizing they were there, they began a sudden and intense burning sensation. We both returned inside and wiped off the now profusely bleeding scratches, paying no mind to the weird noises my mother said she heard. Shortly later, my brother had been in our back den area playing video games when he said it felt as if someone with pure hate and anger was staring at him. When he decided to confront it and yelled at it for, him to, yelled at it, for it to leave him alone, a sudden wave of relief and calm washed over him and felt that the presence was gone. For many years after that, nothing happened. 
until we were helping my mom move out to her new place as we picked up that same couch in the back den to move it, a sheet of paper fell out. After catching a quick glimpse of it, my brother and I both saw that it was crudely drawn a Ouija board. Within seconds, my brother snatched it up. What came of it after he grabbed it, I'm not sure. Just one more weird event to remind us of the activity we experienced in that home. Thank you for your time, even if this experience does not make it on the show. You know of an avid listener of the show. Hopefully, it was not too poorly written. I'm not an English major. I know that I just I know that despite writing, took the time to tell you about my crazy experiences to the best of my abilities. And that's why you don't buy used furniture. <laughs> well, and that's why you don't play with Ouija boards. That's and yeah. I mean, if you want like a poster to promote don't use Ouija boards, that's your story right there. And, and then my question one. is, how do people stay in homes? that long with all this stuff going on. I mean, I realize that you question whether or not this stuff is really happening, but when it is, when you're seeing things and you're hearing things and you're getting scratched, at what point do you just say, okay, enough's enough. You either bring in a priest, you do some kind of cleansing, or you just sell the damn thing. I don't, I mean, it, it could be, you know, in some cases, like maybe someone is in a city and they really have nowhere to go, um, no friends, no family. And they'd have no financial resources to to get out of this lease or anything like that. And you're just kind of financially stuck. It's like that or living in your car. I guess, you know, it, it comes down to that in some cases of just what would you rather do? Uh, you know, what's the lesser of the evils? You know, deal with this for a, a while uh, and then be able to, to, you know, get out when it's time you can get out, you know, or, you know, it really take to, to some extreme uh, measures. Yeah, I mean, I realize you're right. I know a lot of people are stuck into their situations with their homes and stuff like that. But by God, if 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 I were that frightened, mm -hmm. I would do whatever it took to get the hell out of that. And, yeah. and for safety reasons, I would want people to do the best they could to get out of it because that's just unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, just even from the, the the mindset of it, I mean that 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 stuff will drive you crazy. Yeah, I mean it'll torment you. There'll be trauma after all of that. Yes. I mean, I mean, and you have to look at that too. I mean, if there's something that weird and strange going on, I mean that's where you just try to get out of those things, out of the lease, out of the renting, whatever. And if you own the house, you know, then it's time to sell. And but what do you? I mean, then you got the. That's another question. Uh, if we play twenty questions on what is uh, ethically correct in something like this, you try and sell this house because you, know, you need to sell it to move on. Uh, do you share with the new people what your experiences were? Well, the answer to that is um, basically this is the United States, and all we care about is how it affects me. Yeah. So if if you sell the house, I I would probably uh, not want it to go on to somebody else. But for my own sake, I mean, you do have to take care of number one in some situations. Sure. So yeah, I don't know. I, and, I, I, there, there's not an easy answer, but damn, that's yeah. a that's a creepy story. It is, and, and and who's to say that the next people may even have anything going on? You know, I think right. some of these right. things are very much because of the mix of who's in the house and what's in the house. And sometimes it's just benign. Absolutely nothing happens. And sometimes it just stirs it right up. So, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on there, but yeah, great story. 855-853-4802 uh, is our phone number. Hi, let's hear yours. Hi, Tony. I'm calling back again. I'm sorry. Uh, I was telling the story and I got interrupted. The strange thing was when I was telling you the first time, my phone made a weird sound and just shut off. That's why I said I'm, very uncomfortable talking about this, but I'm going to proceed with this. 
So I apologize, and let's try this again. Uh, I'm not going to say my name, but I grew up in uh, western Pennsylvania area, just outside of Pittsburgh. I was about 12, 11, 12-ish years old. Uh, my family lived in a very pretty nice house, not very old. One night, things got really weird. Um, we were at a family wedding. Me, my father, mother, my brother. We came home from the wedding one night. And my father opened the door to a black, you know, unlit house. And there was a sound of, if you ever walked past a, um, you ever been close to a high voltage wire, a humming noise? Well, when we walked in the house, that's what we heard. And my father reached for the light because you entered into the living room. When he turned the light on, everything in the living room was levitating. The couches, the chairs, the lamp, the end tables, the console TV, which probably weighed 100 pounds. As soon as the light came on, they all slowly just sat onto the ground. I remember that distinctly because I was one of the first people standing in there. I was young, but I was old enough to know what was going on. Um, things just got really weird. I, I came from a Christian family. My mother was very religious, had Bible studies at the house. So, you know, we kind of felt safe, me and my brother. You know, we were protected by Jesus. What can go wrong? We, were, we didn't know anything else. <clears throat> but bad things started happening. Very, very strange things happening. As a young kid, I just thought it was weird. But as an adult, reflecting back, boy, was it really screwed up and strange. We started having random things going on. My mother would find black masses. When I say black masses, it's hard to explain. Have you ever seen the totally rotten potato that turns black? It's disgusting. But we would find this in foods, boxes of food, cereal, um, mashed potato mix, bags of potato chips. Not once, not twice, maybe a half a dozen times throughout time, these black masses of just grossness would just appear in our food. We found, my, me and my mother, we would spend a lot of time together during the day. One time we woke up in the morning, there was a dead crow, a big black bird. It looked massive, I was a kid, but it looked massive. It was dead, just in the middle of the kitchen floor. And I was terrified, you know, my mother just grabbed it up and, you know, I don't know how she shook that off, but just took it outside and threw it away. Um, another time we, uh, me, my mother, my brother came home. My dad worked during the day. We came home to take groceries. We had a pantry in the basement. We 
took our groceries downstairs and we turned the light on. The neighbor's dog was in our house at the bottom of the stairs barking at us ferociously. I'll never forget it. Like, how did this dog get in our house? It was the nicest dog, but it's in our house. Like, we were terrified. We went upstairs and closed the door. I don't remember what happened, but why is this dog in our house, and how did it get there? I was very upset about it as a kid. Like, it started to bother me, but uh, I didn't know what to do. One evening, me and my brother were sitting around having a family meal, and I got the courage to talk to my, ask my parents, like, what do you think is going on in this house? And as I asked that question, my mother and father both froze as if they were just, you pressed pause on a DVD. And I'm looking at them both and they froze in mid-sentence. They were eating and they weren't responding. And I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, if, if you ever dozed off on the couch and you wake up real quick, that's what happened and everything was back to normal. It's very strange. And I was too frightened to even carry on with that conversation. That happened more than once. It's very strange. My mom would do, my mom was known for having, she would sleepwalk a lot, which was normal. We kind of laughed it off, but ever since this strange thing started happening, she would sleepwalk and she would walk around the house talking in tongues. I didn't know what she was doing back then, but now I know what it was. I understand it. She was talking in tongues. I still don't know, but imagine that as a 12-year-old kid, pitch black, laying in bed, and there's your mother roaming around the house, just blabbing gibberish. It's very strange. My brother, we had bunk beds. He would sleep in the top bunk, and he would sing in his sleep. I didn't know what he was singing, but now as a adult, I remember it sounded like an old blues song. He was singing old blues songs. It was very strange. But now I think as an adult, I would be terrified. It was very weird. So my mother decided, being a religious person, to have our local priest come to the house, who she's very involved with. So the priest came to the house, and... He left before he was finished, and he, my mother asked why he had left, and he said he didn't feel comfortable, and after times have gone, after time have gone by, my mother was very active in the church. The priest thought it was best if we didn't be part of the church anymore because of what he felt in the house, which devastated my mother. She's very religious. And us as kids, we didn't know anything different. Very strange. Other strange things happen. I hear, I'd smell bad odors all the time. Sulfur, feces, 
to be rotten food. I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was just something strange. My parents started fighting all the time. My dad was very abusive to us. Um, when I would sleep at night, I would hear like a tick-tock. Did you ever hear a big giant grandfather clock ticking? I would hear that at night all the time. We don't have a grandfather clock. Very strange. I thought maybe I was just losing my mind, but as a kid, you don't know. You just shrug it off. But it was very strange. My brother, he always liked to color. He was a big crayon guy. And I remember he he had a big box of Crayola crayons. Do you remember when you were a kid? You get that big box of like 60-some crayons. I don't know. But he would, that was his thing. And he was crying one time. And my mom ran upstairs to see why he was crying. And um, she came down and yelled at me. And she goes, why did you take off his crayons? I didn't know what she was talking about. But all of his crayons were black. All of those rainbow of crayons, colors, they were all black. Like 60, I don't know how much it was, but you know what I'm talking about. A lot of crayons. All the colors were black. I didn't know what to say. My mother was terrified. I just, it was just very strange. And then I would have nightmares of a burning, the house burning. Always like flames burning. And I was just, it would scare the crap out of me, but I didn't say anything because there was enough, there was enough tension in the house. So I didn't really bring anything else up. So we moved. Our parents got divorced. Um, to this day, things never got worse, but they didn't get better. Um, my brother, to this day, and myself, we do battle with depression and suicidal thoughts, and it's just, um, it's just sad. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's anything linked to anything, um, but uh, here's where it gets really strange. Uh, not that it's not already strange, but I was on Google Maps one time. If you've ever done that, it's pretty neat. You could pretty much look at anywhere in the world. And I Googled my old house address, and I came across it, and it was boarded up. And I thought, oh, boy, isn't that strange? And as I did like a 360, you look at the backyard where I used to play. There's burnt char marks of flames that were coming out of the room. That was my bedroom. And I almost threw up the overwhelming feeling that came over me. That house was that house burned. And, the, and apparently from what I saw the outside of the building, it came from my bedroom where I was as a kid. That's where his story ends. Oh, my God. Uh, top 10 calls of all time right there. I was just going to say, I've never experienced that before. This guy, again, to play off the last call, I mean, at least they moved out. Yeah. But but 
because of what happened, it's it's affected his whole life. Mm-hmm. My God, I can't even imagine. I one comment I have to say, and I and I apologize for this, but um, when a family's going through this kind of stuff, and you have somebody from a religious order basically walk away from the family and not want to help them. And mm. I've, I've seen this happen and I'm not just talking about uh, Christian churches or anything like that. It's, it's a shame yeah. because people who are going through this are not crazy. Uh, they're not weird. Something is not right with their lives and they need help. And when people walk away from them, it just makes matters worse. Well, and especially a group that's, you know, supposed to be, you know, the the one to to lean on when things are very tough to have that, you know, thrown in your face, especially if you've stayed super close to it into your adulthood and suddenly really you and it, it, what got me about this one, it wasn't just we're not going to investigate it. Uh, we, we can't help you, but we want you to leave the church. Right. What is that? That is, I think I think that happened more often than people really talk about back really? in the day. Wow. I suppose it would probably be a matter of embarrassment, too. That's why we, we don't hear about it, because I'm guessing a lot of families may have never said that. Maybe they just kind of quietly found a different church and, you know, were very hush-hush about it to everyone that they knew. Just, no, we, we wanted to go to this one now. I don't know. But, gosh. That story has all the pieces of all the great scary movies i've ever watched <laughs> either this guy is a magnificent storyteller which he if he is bravo if, if the whole thing is made up i still hear more of your calls because it was so good but i i i mean he's told it with such conviction and just raw honesty i really believe that this is a, a true story absolutely and i i mean again i i don't know if there's more to tell or if he basically laid it all on the table but <sighs> That particular story is definitely worthy of the big screen in my in my mind. I mean, yeah. that just had, that holds everything. It's just unbelievable. That was a great story. If you got more, we would absolutely love to hear them from you. Uh, yeah, like I said, that was one of the top ten calls I think uh, that we've ever had. That was yeah. I I could just tell as he was he was getting into it. I'm like. I'm going to like pull up some even spookier music over here because <laughs> I want to, I could just tell he was going to accent the story really well and I could kind of move the music with it. So that was, uh, that was cool. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to uh, another caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, I have um, actually two stories. One's about a Ouija board <clears throat> and one is about our house that we lived in, um, two years ago. So we thought this house was um, haunted. We had lots of experiences there. Um, One time my son was in his bedroom. My husband was using the restroom. Um, My husband heard somebody run down the hallway real quick um, and loud. And so he finally, you know, finished in the restroom, came out, went into my son's room and saw him just playing Xbox or whatever he was doing. And he said, hey, did you need a snack? And my son looked at him and was like, um, no. And so my husband, you know, continued to walk through the hallway and look down. And there was a huge um, footprint of a boot in the carpet. Um, He sent me a picture of it. And I came home and we were talking about it. We measured everybody's foot, everybody's shoes. This boot footprint was huge. Nobody's. 
so then um, more things kept happening. Um, my husband and I were watching TV downstairs, and behind the couch we had our son's um, little walker. This is our youngest son, his walker. And the boys were asleep. And on the walker, there was a, this little wheel that you had to manually turn, and it kind of, like, cranked and made a toy noise. So we're just sitting there watching a movie, and all of a sudden we hear this, like, cranking noise, like the wheel is turning. And you had to turn it by yourself. There was no button to push. And I was like, did you hear that? And he said, yeah. I said, what was that? And we looked, and it was the walker. Something had turned the wheel on the walker. So there was that. The Ouija board story is me, my sister, and my cousins were on the Ouija board. We all had our hands on it. We were trying to contact Elvis Presley for some reason. Um, we all have our hands on there, talking to it. Nothing's moving at the time. Um, we're in the pitch black dark. My sister actually started screaming, bloody murder. So we hurried up and turned the light on, and we're like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she had two pinch marks on her neck, like something had pinched her really bad, and none of us would have done that, and... Clearly, we were all scared and wondering what the heck she was crying about. So we believe that we got in contact with something mean, not Elvis Presley. Um, but that's my story. You'd have enjoyed it so much more if they had gotten in touch with Elvis, I know. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we don't know that much about Elvis. We know a lot, but I've heard stories he's a pincher. So, I mean. <laughs> well, there you go. Hmm. First of all, I don't care if you want to contact Elvis or or somebody else. Do not play with a Ouija board. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, uh, I'm a huge Elvis fan, but even I know Elvis is too busy eating banana and peanut butter sandwiches to show up on your Ouija board. So don't do that. What about the whole theory of uh, you know going and if you're a ghost, if you're like kind of go into the food and you're like you're physically present there with it, kind of ghost walking into stuff that you can taste the food. What if you what if you contacted Elvis and had like a whole ottoman just stacked with uh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches right next to the Ouija board? So I see where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah you kind of lure him out. Do we need a Ouija board or can we just kind of try and contact him with a seance or something? Do it all, and, the, all the above, I guess. Yeah, I don't. You know, maybe maybe we film something like that for <laughs> Halloween this year. We do a <laughs> comeback Elvis tour ah. and we just <laughs> we try and bring him back. That'd be great. It's like it like turns out this uh this small farm in Arkansas is haunted by the ghost of Elvis. How did that happen next? You know, it would be a, or, or a really weird Sunday morning story. <laughs> I love it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the ghost of Elvis. Well, thank you for sharing that one with us. Uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. That's gonna wrap up our program for today. If you like us, keep us on the air, become an extra podcast person. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com. Or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Get access to the archive, the advanced episodes, and more. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Until next time, for Todd, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.